to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. And like I said, I hope you're all still enjoying the off-season and these uh, these quiet times as we still await the training camp and the start of pre-season and all the fun stuff that's coming in the next couple of months. Um, we've got another podcast coming your way tonight. Uh, we've got a very special guest joining us um, that we're all really excited to get talking to as well. Um, as always, though, you're going to have to make do with Mr. Positive himself. Uh, Pez, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good. <laughs> another recording so soon. Hey, it's good fun. We're, we're, we're active now. I'll tell you what, we're... We've got our feet off the recliners and we're, we're getting going again. It's, it's it's getting towards football season. We've got to get more active again. Um, Josh is going to be ecstatic over this production we've got going on on the podcast. <laughs> you don't like being lazy, do you, Josh? You like being I don't. something? No. My, 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 doing, body shape, my body shape belies that. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, mate. I've had a really busy day and this is sort of like capping it off with a, it's a really nice end to the day, to be honest. I'm, I'm excited for this one. Got to get some insight. I mean, you only spoke to me yesterday, Josh. I mean, you know, you know. It's... Well, you know, what can I say, mate? You're a Seahawks oracle. Oof, good word. That's the word of the day. Seahawks. No, sorry, oracle. I meant obstacle. Oh, ob- all right. Well, <laughs> quickly moving on from you now, Josh. Um, we do have a very special guest joining us tonight. Um, if you've been on social media and 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 are active on social media in the world of the Seahawks online. Um, I have no doubt you'll have either read or watched something from this man. Um, he's an analyst at the All Seahawks Network, which is part of the Fan Nation Network, which I'm sure a lot of you will also be familiar with. Um, he's, he, he dabbles in a bit of coaching as well. He's, uh, this this, this guy's a man of many talents. Um, he, he's, he's worked with field goals in the past, Sky Sports, if you're in the UK, um, and, and many other things that I'm sure he'll tell you all about. Um, it is the brilliant Matty Brown. Matty, how are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thank you. That's a very polite and, and nice way of calling me a massive nerd, so I appreciate that. Thank you, James. That that was the next bit. I had a comment, but I thought I'll leave that out just oh, you right, know, to yeah. keep you sweet. But <laughs> the fact that you've brought that up, I mean, yeah, that was that was added on. But how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It, it's nice to be talking to uh, some British Seahawks uh, people. Uh, <laughs> representing not not there's anything wrong with americans but occasionally can get you know 
It's, it's, it's a 1am podcast from the UK is quite a lot of work, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the time difference as well, yeah. Sleep uh, deprivation, yeah. being sleep deprived. See, I can't even talk because I'm so tired. <laughs> um, yeah, it can get a lot. So this has been nice because, one, I'll be able to sleep tonight because I won't be drinking lots of coffee at, like, 1am so that I can actually talk properly for two hours or something. And then at 4am, I'm like, oh, my gosh shaking while trying to go to sleep this is great this is it's actually sunny outside it's not where i live but again that's the north of england for you or the northeast of england um Bl- bloody northerners yeah it, it's 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 miserable you and... <laughs> yeah hey, hey. don't you know i, I have a great it's the sunny south mate remember where you came there. from josh remember where you came from <laughs> my friend before we get anyway. turf wars on the go on the podcast um do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do, Matty? Um, obviously, like I say, you, you, you've done a bit of everything in terms of the football world. You, you do sort of film breakdown. Obviously, you, you do your journalism pieces and, and, and your articles and stuff. And and you do your coaching as well, mate. So fair play to you. Um, but do you want to elaborate on a little bit more on, into that? Yeah, so I guess my background is I got into American football in around sort of 2015, Um no, that's that's incorrect. 2012, right? So it was on the uh, we got my family got Sky Sports. And I was like, oh, what's this rubbish? Like it was, I think it was a preseason game. I was like, what's this crap? Like this is going to be, you know, egg ball, all of that stuff. And I was like, actually, this is quite interesting. Um, got Madden. I was like, oh, this is like really nerdy. I I like nerdy stuff. Like with football, football, I was always interested in tactics and stuff. And then with American football, I was like, wow, the tactics here are like on another level. Mm. This is right up my street. Uh, like, pick the Seahawks because of Marshall Lynch and the colours and the new Nike uniforms have just come out. And I was like, these are pretty good. The logo's nice. I, I like this action green stuff. Um, and the, obviously, there was a lot of fun things about that team. Then went off to university uh, and they were playing at their UEA uh, in Norwich. And um, I got into the coaching side of it after playing very briefly, realising that you know, I, I probably wasn't that, that good a player, but I mean, n- no one is when they're picking it up for the first time. But I, I like the tactical side, as I said, and the coaching that sort of took off from there. Then started writing about it. Um, Mark Schofield, for, he had a website called Inside the Pylon. He's He sort of said, hey, your, your writing's pretty good. Do you want to write for Inside the Pylon? So that gave me my first experience. And now fast forward to now. I guess you could call me like freelance American football uh, journalist. Analy- I put analyst because that sounds all right in my <laughs> bio, doesn't it? <laughs> it but, sounds nerdier, just admit it. Exactly, if yeah. I goes, what do you like, do? You're like, I do uh, analytics. Freelance nerds, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, so that's my job, I guess. Yeah, pretty fun. Um, going well. Uh, writing mainly for all Seahawks at the moment and uh, doing my YouTube channel as well, trying to get that going a bit more. So, and what, What's the YouTube channel called? It is like my Twitter handle. Uh, it's Matty F and then Brown. Awesome. Like I said, everyone, please do go free and check plug, that free out. Plug. Because free Thank plug. Very and, and Professional like podcasting. Very, very smooth. Thank oh, you. We'll get, oh, mate, we're getting there. <laughs> It'll get worse. Yeah. It'll get, get worse. <laughs> Pez, do you want to kick things off then with the, uh, with the, with the topics that we've got for Matty tonight? Yes. My, my question to you, Matty, is... What's your opinions on the new scheme? The differences we'll see from the old scheme and which players do you think will fit best into the new scheme? Wow. 
big question. So uh, there's a lot to unpack. Firstly, I don't think um, I don't think like watching, especially if you're watching on the broadcast, right? I don't really think you're going to notice much as much of a difference as you may have uh, thought. You well. Depends what you're wanting to see, right? Like, because if you're wanting to see a certain aspect and then you see a player doing that, you're probably like, oh, that's good. Or if, if you're not wanting to see Carlos Dunlap drop into coverage, well, you're not going to see that because Carlos Dunlap isn't here anymore. So mm-hmm. so that's great news. But um, they, they were sort of doing this new scheme already. And it makes sense, right? Because Clint Hurt was 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 already in with the team um, and his influences and his his background of football, there's a lot of like you know sort of the Vic Fangio stuff, um, and so now he's just sort of brought in his guys to do a bit more of that. So there'll be a few more tools, but that's kind of the nerdy stuff which I'll be like writing about and going, oh, if you look at this play, they did this and this was good because of this. But realistically, if you're watching on your on your TV at whatever time, like one a.m. for us, right? Yeah. If you're watching, then you'll probably just be like. It's, it's not as different, but in, in terms of the players, it suits. Well, I think that is the bigger difference. It's sort of the personnel that they've gone out and acquired acquire to do that, right? So last year, they had Benson Mayowa, who did start as a Sam linebacker, which is kind of like that 3-4 outside linebacker. And they had um, Carlos Dunlap, and they had uh, Daryl Taylor, right? Now, the problem was Mayowa wasn't giving them enough of a rush in the base stuff for Carlos Dunlap not to have to play in the base stuff. And because they were doing more of these three, four things anyway, well, then Carlos Dunlap had to drop some more, right? Because he's playing in the base. Like, if you're playing a three, four, your edge rushes have to drop sometimes. Like, even like Von Miller's of the world, they drop into coverage occasionally because you can't just keep rushing five constantly, right? And Dunlap himself, I think, got frustrated because he wasn't allowed to build up as much of a rhythm because he wasn't playing as much and he felt he was being phased out. And it's like, okay. This year, and Carroll's always said he runs a 4-3 with 3-4 personnel, right? But this year, they've actually just gone and got 3-4 personnel and like two actual outside linebackers, right? Now, Taylor's on the slightly heavier side, though I'm sure he'll slim down somewhat. He's a, he's a bit more of a kind of hybrid, but like Taylor can drop a bit, like, uh, kind of um, uh, presciently. It was prescient of me, prescient of me. Talking Good to Americans, my my, uh, my pronunciation <laughs> completely collapses. Anyway, I did a, I did a video on Daryl Taylor's coverage back in the in the preseason, and it didn't do very well because I think people and I didn't probably understand enough. But that was quite important because they did have to drop. Like I, I sort of went into it knowing that they'd have to drop these guys. Like they've been doing these three four looking stuff. Like it's really three four looking stuff since twenty twenty at like a high rate as like their base defense. So, you know, that that was I knew that was going to be a, a thing, and they just didn't quite get it right in terms of the rostering. Now we say all that, but then their defense was actually pretty good. Like if if you filter out the slow start, if you go from like week six to week eighteen of last year, they uh, came in sixth in EPA per play in defense. Now the problem was how many yards they gave up. Right now they they did well in scoring, but the yards was poor. Now, I think that was because they just didn't have the pass rush bodies, but you can only fix so much in like a season or two. And they didn't have the assets to to really go out and fix the pass rush, I don't I don't necessarily think. And and Taylor did hit, so they, they did well in that sense. Now they could have been a bit more aggressive, perhaps, but I don't know. It just didn't quite mesh right. But um I'm, I'm talking around the subject here. Really, I don't I don't think I mean it will suit 
it will suit Jamal Adams well because they'll be doing similar stuff and they'll be um, probably accenting it a bit more and putting um, him in a few more advantageous situations because it's an, another year of it and more uh, more coaches who are aligned with that. Um, and like he's really good playing as like a, a quarter safety and coming down into the box late and, and keying on stuff and coming out down into the box late. He's really good in cover three, like aligning in the box already. And then I'm sure they'll work out ways to get him rushing the passer um, in more uh, more different scenarios and matchups, right? Mm. Uh, th- th- there's ways they could do that with like packages and stuff, which I think we'll see. But but to me, it's just a continuation. So I think it probably benefits ev- everyone. But we've we've sort of already seen them doing it. Um, so yeah, yeah. I guess I guess nickel. Which is like a, a weird answer, but I guess nickel because, and, and we, like I said, we saw this last year. But like Ugo Armadi, he was kind of key to some of the like the, one of the new coverages they were running. He was doing a very important job, um, and so I expect them to run that coverage more uh, because it was it was effective and it's kind of of that Fangio kind of Clint Hurt deal. It was new for Pete Carroll. I've, I've never seen Pete Carroll run it before, and believe me, I've, I've tried to find him running it. <laughs> I couldn't. Um, so after that degenerate moment, that was quite exciting. It, it, and I was like, oh, well, Ugo Armadi's doing something really weird here where he's he's running with a slot receiver all the way down the field, but the Seahawks look like they're playing like quarter-quarter uh, half coverage, like cover six, right? I was like, mm-hmm. what the heck is this? Uh, wrote about it. It's, it's, it was called Clio, which I found that out by zooming in on play sheets, which very nerdy. And um, <laughs> good old Jetty images with the high resolution. <laughs> and uh, and That's but yeah, so you never level of nerd. Was like, oh, let me just, just sort of see what what's on that play sheet. Have you, have you looked at what they what's on the uh, the armbands of the quarterbacks as well? Well, which I've been trying to do. Don't that, lie. But... Unfortunately, they've uh, they've they've done a pretty good job of, you know, hiding that. Thank I think God. they've made it blurry resolution. I think they know what's going on now. <laughs> There's not much on the Seahawks quarterbacks armbands anyway in terms of play and in, instructions. I think it's all a little bit made up. Um, in 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 well, terms of it's just been lobbed deep. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, lobbed deep to the sideline. I was just going to jump in then and just because you were saying, Matty, that they've been playing the three four for a couple of seasons now. Um, and you said you mentioned about the slow starts um, building and then they have stronger finishes. And because that's one thing I'm not too technical with, mm. like coverages and things like that. But because and that kind of opened my eyes a little bit more when they were coming out and uh, saying in press conferences like, it's communication and practicing and like they, they were saying, like still trying to learn about it. And I, I was just always scratching my head thinking what, like it's week five now, what are you still possibly needing to learn at this point? But mm. is it just a case like you just alluded to then that for the last couple of years, they, it, is a transition for a couple of seasons now been to this three, four and Pete's been trialing it. And now he's like, okay, we're going to go there. So I'm going to get the coaching staff in. That suits a three-four system. I'd I'd have to be a fly on the wall, but it is really interesting because I've been the same. Like I, I've been the exact same. I've been so 
weirded out with like how how does it take you like what was it in 2020 it, it was like about five or six games oh, as well right? yeah was it half yeah. the season it was about half the season wasn't yeah, it, it was. and they just absolutely turned it on yeah so it's and 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 in 2020 what they did was they went like full like three four um like in terms of uh running bare fronts right so uh the center's covered and the two guards are covered and then you've got two wide guys on either side so five guys down the line of scrimmage 2020 they did that like after that buffalo game where it was like real bad they they started trying to do it there but they were trying to do too much and then after that they just ran like the most basic stuff like uh, you know I, if i can figure stuff out at home like you can bet other teams can figure that out as well but they were doing like basically if um if dunlap was playing to the field like it was going to be cover three and if Dunlap was running like lining to the short side so the boundary it was going to be cover two and so it was real real obvious what was going on and yet it worked like it simplified everything it worked it was a bit weird because KJ Wright was the fifth guy at the land down at the line of scrimmage and he's not really going to bring you parts pass rush so again it was obvious who was dropping who was rushing now the the slow start stuff I think I I wonder and I have nothing basing this off but I wonder if it was like Ken Norton, and he ran bare fronts. Like I think he liked the bare fronts, right? Like he ran them in Oakland. Um, but I wonder if like most of the good ideas were coming from. This is completely unfounded, but I wonder if most of the ideas are coming from Clint Hurt, and he's saying we need to be doing this, we need to be doing that, and it's taking Norton a while to fall into it. It's taking Norton a while to go. I need to be this simple. I mean, on a on a wider level, rather than sort of getting into like you know, uh, like hypothesizing, but it's it's obvious to us the defense started slow like twice, right? And what changed? Well, they they scaled back. They they stopped trying to do so much. They fell into like base defense, and that they called less stuff and they simplified it and it and it fit their personnel well. If that happens twice in a row, and you've got a coach who who's also <laughs> good in these concepts and hurt right like he has the experience in these ideas and concepts well then norton kind of had to go as much as i've i've like tried to stick up for him because i think the criticism of him went far too over the top and sort of ignored or um underplayed downplayed the the personnel issues and like the challenges they had there and the injuries and stuff like that but it does seem like there was a common theme which happened twice i'm with you on the the personnel thing you mentioned it a little bit there, Matty, in, in the sense of the, the coverage. Do you think, we, we've heard Pete come out and say numerous times this sort of off-season that they're wanting to get younger and they're all about sort of looking towards the future and getting younger at, at, at sort of key positions and across the team. Um, do you think sort of with this move to the 3-4, mainly sort of sort of spotlighting on, on the outside linebacker position, Obviously, moving on from the likes of Benson Mayor and Carlos Dunlap, and sort of you know even Bobby Wagner in the middle, um, and and bringing in guys like Nuosu, and then having guys like Daryl Taylor. Do you think the sort of getting younger, although it's a, a valid sort of excuse for rebuilding the team, do you think that was potentially a subtle way of sort of getting rid of some of the guys that weren't as good in coverage, and and bringing in guys who maybe are going to be better in coverage and, and, and maybe forfeit, forfeiting a little bit of sort of natural pass rushing ability? I don't I don't really think... So, the, yes, like, it definitely... 
um, Dunlap, for instance, is slightly awkward in like dropping in space. We all saw that. Like it looked really weird, right? And and I don't think you're necessarily forfeiting pass rush. Um, in terms of like, you can be a, a pretty good pass rush in the NFL and be like in that 250 pounds, 260 pounds range, right? Yeah. Now the the problems you have is like, you know, are you big enough and stout enough to hold up as an edge setter against the run? But then if you're running these fronts where you are a uh, in like a in a bear deal, so you've got a guy next to you in, in the gap next to you, right? So you're basically gonna be one on one setting the edge and you're not you're gonna be aligned wide anyway, quite wide. So you, you have like a, a, a width advantage in how the defense lined you up. So it's not as taxing a, a deal. Um and if you so what I'd say is if you think about Seattle's old old scheme where it's an under front, right? So they have mm. the the Sam, like the Benson Mayowa who who played there, right? Or Bruce Irvin, but mm-hmm. he's down at the line of scrimmage. They trusted that guy to be the big time edge setter, right? And so there's no like if you think of when Seattle was what we called like a four three with three four personnel, the mm-hmm. two guys were Mayowa, right? Or or um uh, Bruce Irvin. Let's go. Let's go yeah. to the peak. So like Bruce, Bruce Irvin was the Sam, and then the the five technique, which we'll we'll get to, is Michael Bennett, right? And then the Leo was Cliff Averill. Now the Leo and the Sam were fairly similar. It's just the Leo rushed more, and the Sam basically dropped a lot more. Now when they go to Bear without KJ Wright, the idea is that blends a bit more, and now they've gone to a three four. They're basically playing left and right, and that both players can rush and both players can drop. But the, but in answer to like the the front stuff and like setting the edge and 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 like can they rush the pass as well? They can rush the pass as well. The the issue would be how they set the edge, and I, I don't think it's as much of an issue because of the fronts they're going to be running. But the lines between Leo and Sam have blurred. Like it would, they probably change the names, but it wouldn't surprise me in the playbook if they were called the same thing. But it was just. Right. In this defense, rather than you always drop in, we're, we're going to have a different rule so that the the Leo drops at, at like a similar amount of time. Um, the other thing is when they get into like nickel, so they they basically will sub um, like our woods off or something. Like the nose tackle, the big nose tackle will come off the field. Mm-hmm. They'll still have four defensive linemen on the field, but two of them will be outside linebackers, and then the nickel will come onto the field, but. Most of the time, they'll be running stuff which looks like a four-three. Like it looks like there's four guys down at line of scrimmage, three guys back there. But um, it's with um, well, it could be like two defensive linemen, four linebackers, and five defensive backs. But I, I don't know. I, I'm waffling. <laughs> I mean, if 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 we're talking about personnel, kind of brings us straight on sort of the next question we had. Um, obviously, we, we go into this three-four defense, looking at the, the players that we've signed, and then we look onto the players we've drafted that will fit the the offense and the defense. What are your, I want to say, professional projections for these players? Um, first of all, what do you think of them, and how far do you think they can go professionally? So, like, do you reckon there's any all pros, any pro bowlers in there? We can go by one by one if you like. In ter- sorry, I, I missed like the, the start of that. Well, the, the the draft class we've just had. We're looking at personnel. 
obviously we have drafted to fill needs for a change, which is really odd for us. Yeah. Based on the, the players we've drafted, what are your sort of projections for them for their career? If we look at sort of he's obviously been drafted purely to fill that, that outside linebacker role yep. and by all accounts he's been doing pretty really well through through OTAs and and you know mandatory mini camps I mean what what do you think if we go through sort of the list of projections for where their career will go so feel free to start with number one so Mafe is Mafe is um an incredible athlete, right? And he's going to turn 24, I think, in, in this season. Uh, I think it's November's birthday. Um, so he's quite old. And obviously, if you're older, it tends to be you, your athletic testing is better. But regardless, he's an incredible athlete. And he, he got compared by Pete Carroll to, like, a Cliff Avel type, which, I mean, he, he could have gone with Bruce Irvin. It's interesting he went with Cliff. I guess Maffei's a bit heavier, and that's why he's gone that direction. He had a good game against uh, Wisconsin in 2021 um, against uh, Logan uh, Bruce, uh, who the Rams took in the third round. But they were both, he was playing left tackle, and I think he's more of a guard at the NFL level. But he has his arms came in shorter at the combine, but uh, at the, the senior bowl, they came in over 33 inches, and he does like. I was, I was listening to your podcast. I, I f- apologies, I forget who raised the point, but his um his handwork is superb. Like his his hand eye coordination and um it, his ability to pull himself around the the arc or forklift into guys and 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 win on the edge is very impressive. Um, and then obviously his athleticism gives him like a, a crazy kind of looking ceiling. My thing is like he's not like the most naturally bendy. Like he can't just run around in the edge. He has to sort of um, slow to, to slow his speed somewhat to do that. Which like if you're just going to run and dip around an edge like that is highly rare. Don't get me wrong, but he doesn't have that like high level build. So he really needs to add a an effective counter to his game. Um, he's just kind of like a weird looking weird looking player. But <laughs> if if you're going to give him I don't know. In 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 a best case scenario, with that athleticism, the handwork, which is uh, pretty polished for a guy coming out, uh, his ceiling would be like, you know, like a pro bowl kind of rusher. But it's just I just don't know how I like bendy rushers. So it, it's a bit it's a bit weird. Um, when he can bend, he just can't. He just loses speed doing it. Um, mm. So I, I get really refine his go to move, which is like a pull around the arc, um, how he deals with the longer tackles in the NFL. Like, you, you've got guys out there who are just 34-inch long arms or, or greater. That's basically the baseline, <laughs> a left tackle. Um, Ridiculous yeah. arms, man. I wouldn't sign up. Yes. Well, whilst you've mentioned the left tackle, do you think, in regards to Charles Cross, I think the main criticism and the knock on him coming out of the draft was his his run blocking and, and his projection of, of the run blocking in his career. Obviously, I think the unanimous sort of sort of decision on him was that he was probably the best pass blocking offensive tackle in the draft. But obviously, with Seattle's heavy sort of run scheme in the Pete Carroll era, that was a bit of a, a not a red flag, but maybe something that potentially were, were worrying a few people. Do you do you see that being an issue with Charles Cross, or is that being a little bit blown out of proportion in terms of his, his ability to run block? I think 
I think that's probably overplayed. I mean, if you think about an air raid scheme, um, in an air raid scheme, the footwork on stuff like outside zone, no, and I, I realize they didn't run it that much, but the footwork on like zone scheme stuff is fairly similar to what Seattle will ask of their in their like core run plays. Like one of Seattle's, um, well, Seattle's core run play in 2021 was um, mid zone, which asks the tackle on the side that they're running the ball to to just kick out block and I, I think cross is comfortable enough doing that the stuff he'll uh struggle well not struggle he'll find more challenging to adapt to is when they're blocking away and he has to like try and cut off block players but i, I wouldn't have as much concerns as as i think I, I think it's slightly overblown and i think um for instance uh brandon fawn um i think he's Brandon Thorne NFL, I think that's his Twitter username. But he he was the first to point out that he was actually recruited to play in like a pretty run blocking system, and then uh, that staff got fired, as happens in college football. And Mike Leach came in, but you know you know he has run blocking experience. He just didn't actually get to play out on the field with it in in college, uh, and it was a while ago. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's overblown, and. Uh, uh, it was nice to see that. It just so happens, I think, that this draft, Seattle, um, we saw their needs uh, happen to be at positions they value. So they needed a left tackle, right? And like they did with Russell Okun, they then drafted a left tackle. And the left tackle happened to be there, right? Um, and I, I'd say Cross is like, was the best like pass protector in, in the draft. Like It, it was crazy. Then... Um, they needed a pass rusher. They value pass rush. We know that. And so they, they got a pass rusher. Um, I'd have said they needed a cornerback. Um, and I, I, I'm, uh, pre- I prefer cornerbacks. So it's my experience coaching is largely with defensive backs, particularly cornerbacks. And um, uh, But they don't seem to value cornerbacks actually as much as I think we all perhaps would like. Like they, mm-hmm. and especially with their roster construction at the moment, you know, they've, They've really put their resources into safe the safety grouping and their corners they're, they're happy to cycle through and only Shaquille Griffin was the the round three kind of dude right the rest it's all been day three kind of flyers they overpaid trying to get um uh who was the lad from Philadelphia I can't remember his name which is unfortunate uh not Sidney Jones um, no worse. no it was Jacksonville um the disaster Dunbar, was it? no Dunbar's Washington. A while ago, the disaster. They they paid him. He might not have been from Philadelphia, which could have. <laughs> no, that that'll put a spanner in the works, mate. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll cycle back to it. I mean, you're talking about cornerbacks. I mean, even the, the two we've signed so far. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at Bryant playing across from the headliner, Source Gardner, but then because he got so many balls thrown at him, he has got so much experience in. In coverage, I, I I I love that pick. To be honest, I love both the cornerback picks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're two of my the ones to watch. So I don't think Tariq Woolen. My personal opinion is that I don't think he'll start this season unless there are injuries. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he'll be a, a passion project for uh, for Pete because he. Uh, we said it when we recorded our last pod. It's like he was made in a test tube to Pete's specifications. <laughs> Pete's gone. I want him to be uh, to play wide receiver for a bit. I want him to be really tall, really long, and really fast. 
and then lo and behold, Tariq Wallen comes up in the draft and we take him. Uh, it, I'm, I'm quite excited about it, especially with the buzz that's come out of sort of the, the mini camps at the moment. I mean, what, what did you think of those two, Be, being a, a, a cornerback coach? Yeah, so uh, firstly, Wallen, I did a video on him, um, quite quite comprehensive on his game. And he's... um. He he he's like you said, right? Like he has all the the measurements and unbelievable like profile, um, like just tr- crazy talented athlete, that's so gifted. But he's incredibly raw. Like I don't, I'd be shocked, like re- pleasantly shocked, if he gets on the field defensively in in year one. I'd say if that happens, there's been a lot of injuries because his technique is raw. Um, the technique he was playing at uh, uh, Texas San Antonio, Yutza, mm-hmm. the Roadrunners, was um, yeah. it was uh, like I, I can see why the coaches would do that because it was basically relying on him to run faster than guys if he got an outside release um, fade route in press. But even then, like he goes down to the senior bowl and tries that stuff and he gets run by by guys. So it's fine having it's all well and good having four two six speed, right? But guys can still run around you if you're starting face to face at the on them and then having to turn and run as they are just running straight down the field. So <laughs> he got he got burnt pretty bad at the senior bowl and it and it was it's all just technique. So on a positive note, what's so exciting about him is wow, imagine him being like harnessed with like technique which is suited to the NFL and like his profile and and his his like sheer just like athletic uh you know gifts um he and he does understand like he can use his arms like he he did try to a bit it's it's just it was sort of lacking and my other concern with him was actually a few plays where he was looking a bit not as competitive as you'd like which was the one thing where I was like this isn't as seahawky as I expected like I thought he'd be mm-hmm. like a real like throwing himself around but I think I would not know because I I do not run a four two six forty. But I think perhaps if you're the always been the the most fastest guy on the field, always the longest, the tallest, how do you get um you know keep wanting to improve? How do you stay competitive? How do you stay gritty? As the Seahawks would use that, that sort of term. And so I think the the major challenge for him and the Seahawks coaching staff will be wow we've got this like unbelievable um you know built in a test tube whatever. Uh, prospect how do we get him to be uh competitive and it's just put him in put him in the culture um and try and get him to you know grasp the technique but all of you know for all of that those reasons the intangible side and then the more important well not more important but the more obvious visible side of his technique that all means i think he'll have to come in and play on special teams and if mm-hmm. the thing is if we see him like in the preseason making loads of special teams plays and then when I'm being a nerd and watching the All-22 and he's like flying down the field in the regular season and he's not a game day inactive, because he, he should be, that that's a great um, great thing to look at, actually. He should always be active on game day because he should be the special team star, right? If he isn't, then you suddenly think, well, maybe there is a, maybe he is acclimatising not as well. Maybe we should be concerned about him... Uh, grasping the the culture but if he is like a special team star then year two you're like well he, here we go because we could have something here if if he is not a, a special team gunner from the off there is something gone drastically wrong 
Yeah, but you, you, he you can probably run that. quicker than the ball travels. But of he's, he's Pete's little—he's Pete's little love. It's, it's, it's his little pet, isn't he? So he's not going to want him get smashed on kick returns, is he? Uh, so we, we've no, said no. in the past, like, he's your past love child, off. James. Yeah. Hey, all right, you yeah, just I'll give you that one. We, we, maybe I don't want it. Yeah, maybe I don't yeah. want. Pete's going to chuck him into special pod. teams straight away. Yeah. Well, we said in the past pod, like it, it's—it's going to be one of those where the majority of these rookies will not see practice squad because we're going to want to keep them on the roster. They're not to waivers or anything. I think Tariq Woolen's one of those talents, like uh, coming from a, a sports coaching background, which is the same as Matty. If you've got some of those the raw gifts that you cannot teach someone, then as a coach, it's exciting because you know it's your job then to mould them into what you want, which is why I think Pete's just throffing at the mouth with this. Um, I mean, that, that that's... That's my personal opinion. As a coach, you look at that and go, brilliant, you, you rub your hands together and think, I've got time to work with this guy. Someone like Kobe, who who has got the technique, obviously he'll need to improve a little bit in the NFL level. That That's someone I'd, I'd be uh, interested to see what uh, or hear what Matty has to say on. Yeah, so he, after, he, on. he so he was a guy who, so I watched the senior bowl stuff first with like all the corners and all the receivers and I mean, stupid me, because they had a need at receiver, low-key, but they had a need at receiver, and they had a bigger, a much bigger need at corner. And I watched the one-on-ones and was like, all these guys are crap. Like, which, that's not very nice. And you should have a more open mind, and the draft is all three days, right? But I was like, they're not that's being kind. They're not very good here. Um, but then, you know, you go back and watch them, and you're like, there's stuff they can work on here. Um, that And... In college, it's it's rare to have guys who've played a lot of press. Um, and arguably, the Seahawks like they might prefer it that Woolen had never learned press because mm-hmm. then that he's just raw. He doesn't have bad habits to coach out of him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, Kobe Bryant, uh, watching, uh, I first watched, then I watched Source Gardner because there was the talk that Seahawks were going to get Source Gardner, right? And that that would have been amazing. Um, but then you see that there's this other lad who's getting thrown at quite a lot of the time because um, Source Garden, Source Garden, right? Um, and he's shutting down the short side of the field. Kobe's playing to the wide side, so he's in a heck of a lot of space. He will never be in that much space in the NFL because of how the hash marks work. And he is doing a really good job. His senior bowl was a bit rough, but there was, there was like traits to work with. Um, but the big thing is that they they actually play um, a kind of a step kick style, which translates to Seattle. Uh, it's literally what Seattle do, except for Kobe has um, shorter arms um, than 32 inches. They're like 30 and something. And so Cincinnati, they taught him to um, say he's playing at right cornerback. Uh, they taught him to step um, and he gets an outside release. They taught him to step with his... Um, Outside foot, just like the Seahawks would if he was getting an outside release, a six-inch step. But then they taught him to snatch with his outside arm, which uh, typically that's a that's a risky move because it's locking your hips. And then as the receiver keeps releasing to the outside, you have to then step forwards with your left foot and then get back around and by which point you've been beat. But Kobe was very good at placing that outside arm on and then being able to snatch and and reset and stay on top and cut off the vertical nature of the outside release, which was very impressive. And he was very patient. 
His game against Alabama was excellent. He didn't give up a catch other than um, there was some stuff underneath, which I think certain charting companies may regard as him giving up a catch. But like in my mind, like if you're if as a DB coach, if you're grading that, you're saying he did damn good, like against some real good receivers. Uh, that that was impressive because I watched um the Source Garden stuff as I was saying. It's like wow, this is a great game from Source. Well, actually, Kobe had like just as good a game in, in that game, and he's disrupting guys. He's looking to get hands on. He's patient. He's polished. He understands root combinations. So like, say a big one is like. If you're in a zone coverage and you've got uh, two or more receivers on your side of the field, and you're say you're playing, say you're playing cover three, right? Uh, you need to be aware that there's multiple receiving threat threats who can come into your deep third zone of the field, right? Or Kobe, like reading the number two receiver, which is something Richard Sherman speaks about a lot, but reading that inside receiver, the slot receiver. Whatever the slot receiver does, you can see Kobe Bryant sort of adjust and understand the root combinations he's going to get along with what the quarterback's given him as well. So if the two receivers to the flat, he understands he might be getting curl flat, right, with the quarterback's drop distance and that sort of stuff. And so he's very intelligent out on the field. And you can really see that tie-in as well, his understanding of root combinations. Tariq Woolen, actually, he he runs routes for guys as well because he understands, well, this is a post route, so I'm just going to run a post route now. I'm not going <laughs> to... Not going to worry about anything else, um, but Kobe Bryant really understands multiple routes, and he—he—I he, never saw him get burnt. He never gets burnt. He's always in phase, um, which is impressive because he—he he wasn't the, the best athlete. But Bill Belichick said about how certain—well, I'm going to ba- bastardize what he actually said. Mm. But he said something about basically. Call Bill Belichick. He just waffles rubbish anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, he said something about um how like basically all these guys train for the combine, uh, and they they all train for the combine, and then they come into camp not in football shape, and they get hurt, right? And the Seahawks, I think, maybe have seen that this year with Pete Carroll mentioning how some of the rookies are out of shape and they're like feeling hamstring soreness, um, and and they have had to sit out. Well, Bryant's been at all of the practices, other than I think he had a personal issue, so he had to miss one of them. But it, he hasn't had any injuries, touch wood. But, and I just don't think, like, he's never going to be that amazing athlete. But he probably could have tested slightly better if he trained for the combine at one of these levels. I That's not based on any information, but I do wonder if that's something. But he's just a polished football player. So I think in terms of his outlook, his ceiling, it's hard to know a player's ceiling, right? Because he could just be supremely intelligent and, and just, put together solid play but in terms of his floor he he can he can fill in um sort of day one if if you need him to i think because he because he understands everything and and he he isn't like going to be completely outmatched out there he, even though he doesn't have the 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 length you'd ideally like like he's not tiny he's just kind of an average average sort of athlete um which I think in... we, we've said in the pod before, I mean, you look at cornerbacks that Pete Carroll loves, and we, we've literally just said it earlier, but then I think DJ Reed kind of broke that mould. And and we, we had this conversation on our pod a few times now where all I want from our cornerbacks is if we haven't got that length and we haven't got someone that will compete for these high balls or anything like that, I just want cornerbacks to make 
wide receivers or tight ends, anyone, afraid to run in their general direction because they will get absolutely smashed. And I think when Trey Brown showed it, when he, he actually played last year, where if anyone was running in his direction, he was meeting them head on and he was putting them in the ground. I think DJ Reed had that kind of, it, it takes a bit of pressure off the safeties having to do that, sort of that secondary defender. I think if if Kobe, I think I've, I've watched some videos of Tariq Woolen where he's done it as well, where he has he's closed down a 15-yard gap just with his pure speed and absolutely bang someone. I'd, I'd be happy with that. I think the a corner black a cornerback play can't get worse than it has been periodically over the last few years. I, I, I've just said I'm excited to see him. I mean, I've, I think I, 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 I'm looking forward to watching this cornerback class. Just it the exciting. it is the it the, is the depth the the weird depth we've got not like a all star depth but different variations and combinations that we can put in there. I'd let's be move on. Uh, excited by that. Yeah, let's move um, on to the before, um, before we move on quickly. Um, whilst we're on the draft, um, Ken Walker. I, know, I, know, I was. I knew exactly. I knew what was he coming straight it. away. It's a simple. It's a simple yeah. question. Simple question. <laughs> Are you a lover of his? Are you a lover of his film, or does your analytically nerdy side not allow you to be excited over him, Matty? Well, I I don't um I I'm obviously a lover of his film. I don't um I'm not uh I like analytics, but I'm not like I wouldn't call myself a lover of the analytics. So I, I enjoy his film like just as when they drafted Jordan Brooks, I was like. Oh, don't get me Jordan, started. Jordan no, 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 don't go down that rabbit hole. We'll be here for three hours. Okay, right. Well, Jordan, well, I mean, the linebacker value compared to running back is slightly different. Like, I understand. But they draft that they drafted the way to talk to the analytics guys about this is they drafted um, Walker so they don't have to pay Penny, right? Like, or if they pay Penny, then Penny will have shown he is durable enough to, to last a full season and will have dominated. Now, I understand. Running backs are ticking time bomb. I just like for now, like they did it, and Kenneth Walker's film is very exciting. And he, uh, I mean, if they can get him and Penny on the field, that's such an interesting contrast in styles, both looking very effective, both being able to run mid zone um, effectively. And Seattle has the running back group where, I mean, heck, running backs get injured, but. It, on paper, they have the running back group to hang, and I, I even like um, I even like Josh Johnson. Like mm. I, I thought he was really good in the preseason last Strong year. Scout. Like he could actually do stuff. So yeah, but I liked his tape, and I'd, we'd have to get into the analytics stuff because it's boring, and we all understand. Like, but you know they did it now, and I can you can sort of see why they did it. Like even with the penny stuff, like I one didn't like. Penny really and I was like what the heck are they doing this in the first round for that was out of nowhere and that was a shocker but you can even with their crazy reaches you can see how they got there I, I mean it's not great like it doesn't feel great and it's it's like oh no but also you can see how they got with Penny because they they had all the running backs going down and they're like we need a running back because we need to get back to being able to run the ball Russell Wilson looked absolutely broken towards the back half of 2017 the offensive line was a mess. They were stuck in like com- constant pure pass situations where they just, it was absolute crap. So you can see how they reached on that. And it's like um, Collier, you could understand how they got there. All their guys went, they were stuck in a position where they're like, crap. They'd, they'd done um, 
they'd already done the Malik McDowell stuff, right? So they were like, oh no, we <laughs> need to let's not talk about it. We need to pick we need to pick a dependable guy who we like and we've interviewed with and he's gritty and all this stuff. All our guys are gone. Well, let's just pick Collier. Like the guy I liked there was um Charles Amenahu, who ended up going in the fifth round. Well, there must be a reason why he went in the fifth round, right? And I've not I don't think it's anything that he showed on the field because on the field he looked like an unbelievable player but there's probably something we don't know for that ha- and he's had a better career than Collier has but um they're clear Th- you know this year's like- Collier's year breakout star <laughs> this year's Collier's year that is the worst take of the entire off season that will not be so, top- so you, you let's talk you, about we'll talk you, about you, your what, takes what would Collier's year be exactly Collier's year would be in my opinion more playing time, and if he got five sacks, oh my god, he's not he's not going to play nose, but just as a a, a D lineman, I, I'd be happy. I, I think he's more playing time. Well, he's not. He can't have less. Can it's he? A first round pick. Um, yeah, I want to see him on the. Yeah, field. see that, that that was an easy hot take. More playing time. If he has but, five sacks, I think this defense is going to be like top three. Oh, easy. Yeah. Uh, I live in hope, you know. I love an underdog. Well, That's we'll why save I that for the, the hot Seahawks. takes episode. Yeah. We'll get Matty back on for the hot <laughs> takes. If you love an underdog, you need to root for uh, Miles Adams. He's the. I, I've guy. been. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't I'm, try I'm and start going yet. Oh, don't start yeah. trying to get on the bandwagon no, now. You. Yeah, he's he's cheeky. I, I read things. Fucking LJ Collier. I am learning. You made me swear. <laughs> see, Josh, look what you've done. Look <laughs> what you've done. With. First Great. one of the pod, mate. You've done really well. Before Thank we, you, Matty, for talking because it stopped Pez from swearing. <laughs> before Steve starts coming out of Pez's ear because you pissed him off with LJ Collier. Um, I'm going to move on to another touchy subject in the Seahawks world at the minute, and that's the. Um, the Baker Mayfield situation. Um, it, it's a little two-parter that I've got for you, Josh. Um, uh, Josh, Matt, Josh, oh, I mean, um, no, I'm certainly no, not asking right. you about Baker Mayfield. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> are there any holes in the roster that you'd like us to to fill in in the in what remains with the cap space and, and in the remainder of free agency? And would one of those spots be for? Would you advocate Baker Mayfield coming to the Seahawks? You've, you've just had me uh, Google their depth chart. Um, so the quarterback situation is um, is what it is, right? I'm at the point where I'm just like, let's just ride with it. Like, give these guys the best shot. If it's a complete like catastrophe, then then just me, you know, I don't know what you do. You just the draft I, next year. You, yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know at what point you say no. We need to go and get Baker Mayfield, but I feel like. I, I don't know. I, I like there isn't a what point, Gino Smith Matty, There is not a point where you go and say that, that's, that's a pure dig at me because I've been team Baker throughout this whole thing and these two have been like, not a chance, Josh. So the funny Get thing out. about Baker Mayfield is um, I was in uh, Mobile, Mobile, as we'd say, in uh, at the Senior Bowl when Baker was there. Was that 2018, 2017? I don't know. Time flies. Um, and it was funny because it was like Josh Allen was there and Baker was there, and Drew Locke was there, right? That was that was the three quarterbacks, and everyone down there was like taking the piss out of um, out of Josh Allen. They were like, "He's so inaccurate; he can't hit anything. He's absolutely crap. Like he's rubbish. Like all of this stuff." But in more American terms, and it's it's funny to see what's become of them. Where where's Baker? But Baker Mayfield, like in his rookie year, he actually had a really good like back half to it, where he's playing like really solid football. 
And but then the thing is, right? I think. Oh, well, we, we've never seen this from Gino or or um, Drew Lock either. But I think if you give them a run game and you give them the training rules of an effective run game, which it is cannot be as effective as it was in the back half of twenty twenty one. But if it's like regression's inevitable, but if it's like you know three quarters is good, and your defense stays good but with more pass rush, there's a lot of ifs going on here. But it, that is that that is what they'll have said. Like we can we can win a few games doing this. Um, and how many games? Like I feel like it's like seven and ten, isn't it? But or mm. like eight and eleven. But at least you've got something there. I'm really not an advocate for tanking. And how much better are you going to get with Baker Mayfield in the, in that situation I've described than you are with a Geno Smith or a Drew Locke? Like I, I think if you if you just say. If you tank, right, if you're outwardly tank, it's one, it's really hard to lose enough games to get the number one overall pick. Two, it just completely goes against any kind of culture building. It's very hard to mm-hmm. stop that. And three, Carroll would be gone. Uh, you, you know, it's just a backward step. So you can't be doing that. But um, I, 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 I've kind of taught myself into seeing who wins out of Gino and Drew Locke and, and the stylistic difference between them and Russell Wilson. Obviously, they're not nowhere near the same level of quarterback, but... The stylistic di- uh, difference in the sense like we're going to see different concepts. The offense will look more like the Shane Waldron Rams <laughs> offense and, and what we thought we were getting. There'll be more uh, intermediate stuff. Um, there'll be more condensed Titan splits. Like we won't have a uh, headless chicken like scrambling, like trying to make people miss. The ball will come out on time. Um, yeah, there'll probably be some terrible picks thrown and like some stuff where you're like, what the heck? But then they'll just run the ball more. <laughs> like it's going to be different. So at least it's different. Um, yeah. I, I feel completely vindicated in what we've all said on the pod because I think we 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 touched on this in the last pod where we all said there's going to be intermediate routes. We're actually going to see tight ends get the ball. We're going to see a better running game. It's not just going to be a Russell Wilson scramble fest looking for someone 50 yards down the field. Matty, I'll put your question there to you then. Uh, in our last pod, we spoke about it ourselves. So from everything you've read so far and your own chuck your own personal feelings and opinions into it, who do you think is going to start week one, Gino or Drew? Um, well, it would have been nice if I'd, I'd been at camp, wouldn't it? At mini camp, or if I'd, or if I'd uh, invested in a drone which I could operate from the UK and could fly <laughs> over VMAC. Um, oh, he's skirting around it. But I, I think I th- I'm going to go with Geno Smith because he knows the offense. Ooh. I think he's solid, dependable. Um, I think it's Geno's time. The 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 one thing I would say though is it is very unfortunate how. Down the stretch of those games he was playing, like in the clutch, he he came sh- like he, the offense couldn't quite get it done twice. Like that's unfortunate for his narrative, and it's not really like the the throw to Lockett against the Rams. Like Lockett tripped. Like it was a real. I was like, oh my gosh, he's thrown over the middle. And it's like, oh, it's a pick. Which is why, by the way, people don't throw over the middle as much as you'd like because that is where a lot of interceptions happen. But so. Um, just to throw in there, you made a very good point to my reason into why I don't think Gino is going to be the starter. Because Pete Carroll's games, as he openly says, he likes to keep them close. Mm. Now, for the whole time he's had Russell Wilson, 
as we've all come accustomed to, Russ gets into the fourth quarter and he does his thing. But we've already seen that out of Gino that he can't, like, I don't think he's got the mental strength to be able to execute a Pete Carroll game plan for a whole game. He kind of showed it last year in a sample, except for uh, the Jacksonville game. But I reckon well, this I is what's my... annoying, right? This is what's annoying. Because we'll, we'll never, we'll never know. Like if he, well, uh, well, we w- one thing. If he wins the camp battle, right? If he wins the preseason, because that's going to get tough. Like they're, they're going to really ramp it up, and they'll if they're going to go at it, and Baker Mayfield doesn't arrive, I think we will learn that there is some, you know, mental fortitude there from Gino. But what's annoying is that Jags game. Russell came back, you know, by his own admission four weeks too early and comes back and absolutely stinks the joint up against Green Bay. But I wish we'd got to see like a Geno attack like for a few more weeks because it seemed like they'd gelled and they'd actually got some stuff together. Cause there was no way that was the that wasn't the offense for Geno. Like DK Metcalf said that they didn't adapt the offense to Geno. They didn't they weren't able to fully do stuff. You can't do that in an NFL season like midway through. But if it's actually an offense designed for Geno and they really do tweak things, and he's won the camp job, then I, I do think it is different. But you know, you can. I'm not going to say your concerns aren't valid because like, I I agree. Like it is like it is a bit worrying. You could say the same about Drew Locke, how <laughs> some of his stuff is worrying. But that's kind of why it's exciting as well. I, uh, maybe that makes me a sicko for thinking that's exciting. How worrying that is. <laughs> but at least we're going to see something interesting like from a football standpoint like the the battle in in the preseason game is going to be and they've got really exciting traits like drew lock his arm is very exciting gino i don't know i i thought i thought i felt something with um how he was sort of like clicking with the team and vibing with like the the players like like with metcalf and stuff and and his preseason stuff like um my my friend Griffin, who who I do my podcast with, Seattle Overload. Sorry for that plug. Uh, he at C Mike spin move. At C Mike spin move, right? Um, he he's been tweeting out clips on the preseason game against the Chargers and Gino throwing over the middle. And like, I do think you know, the stuff the stuff there is just Lock is probably more Carol like in the sense that he um can hit will more reliably hit the deep sideline throws um and like the one-on-ones where if Pete's playing Pete Carroll football uh, with these quarterbacks where um they're running the ball really well playing good defense and then they're forcing teams into giving like a clear one-on-one and I think Locke you'd you'd bank more on hitting that having said I think Gino has point guard elements to his game now Carroll did Carroll did um you know, they did pass a lot under Russell Wilson. Like if the quarterback plays there, they will pass, like, m- more than, I think, the the meme of Pete Carroll, right? Like, they, he'll just do what there is to win, right? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, but if they brought in Baker Mayfield, I'd talk myself into that as well. So I'm not the most, the best person to be talking to on this for a definitive uh, answer here. I can talk myself oh, into either quarterback. It was, It'll be interesting. Yeah, it was just your personal. It was just your personal opinion. I was interested to get at with it because, for me, I think the bigger concern is maybe not the quarterbacks. Well, the reason I said it, sorry, is because my concern is mm. Josh isn't very in the camp that 
at the back end of last year when we saw the offense just completely open up and you could kind of tell it, it like Waldron was running the show with Russ and it was electric and everyone was really excited. But I'm really pessimistic because we saw that in the Colts game when we like week one and we're still in with a shot and then that completely disappeared until we had nothing to lose. We were out of the playoffs. Everything went to shit. And I'm just really concerned. My concern why I asked you that question for your opinion was everyone's getting excited over this Waldron Rams offense situation mm. what everyone's banging on about. But everyone's got to remember Pete Carroll's there and I've not seen him change yet. And it worries me because if he goes and plays his style of football with these quarterbacks, that could be, well, you'd have a lot of good quality writing to put out there, I reckon, because <laughs> it would be scary to think what some of them results could end up being. But like the Rams ran it lots with Jared Goff. Like they were like, like Sean McVay is like one of the, was one of the most heavy, like early down neutral state, like running teams in the NFL with Goff. So, like, I mean... But, but is Pete going to allow Waldron eventually to essentially run this offence like we all expected him to do when he came in? I really don't That's... think... So, like, the Colts game, right? I think people saw that. Like, the, the conception from people seems to be... It. People saw that, right? And, that like, Eskridge was doing, like, like, fly sweeps, you know, jet sweeps, and there was motion and stuff. People saw that, and then they sort of scaled it back. And I think the conception seems to be that like sort of Pete meddled in that. Is that correct? Well, yeah, after, after the week one, it's almost like he let Waldron show what he can do. And then he kind of just put it in a box and was like, well, no, I'm going to take control again. That was my personal opinion on it. So I think the biggest thing which happened there is the Eskridge got concussed. And so they lost their fly sweep guy. And if you don't want Lockett doing that because you need a second guy running reach downfield and then Freddie Swain ain't going to be able to do that. And then Penny Hart don't think was ready for that. And so they kind of lost that element. And once you lose that element, which is like a major constraint of that kind of offensive approach, then it all kind of falls apart. I really don't think Pete Carroll meddled in that way. I'd, and and I, I re- we'll see it. That's that's why, again, it's interesting, right? Because if we don't see it in 2022, then you probably can start to be like, well, how much of this is your offense? Because it's, this doesn't really make sense. But I, personally, I wouldn't be concerned about that. Like, they've... They just do, I think, what they think fits their quarterback the best, right? Like on offense. And I, I do think Waldron has pretty free reign in, in that respect. But yeah, uh, I, I think the, the cult stuff is over is overblown and it kind of ignores the like the injuries that happened. And then they were trying to get Russell into like up tempo stuff, right? Was hard to do some of the up tempo stuff with Russell because you can go into like shotgun formations, right? And you can go empty. Now they did that against the 49ers. The 49ers game started like absolutely awful because they were trying to go up tempo, but I think they were under center and they were getting blitzed to absolute like hell and they couldn't get out of it. But then you go into shotgun, you spread it out for Russell, which doesn't look like the Rams, like the Rams offense we all kind of think about, right? But they, they go into that sort of stuff and then Russell starts diming them up. Like he kind of owned the 49ers, right? Um he he does he does some great stuff. 
But with Russell, he can't hit the intermediate stuff from under center that's required. So your game becomes basically about deep shots from under center or quick game. And it's only a very small amount of quick game and then running the ball. So if you go up tempo, you're limiting that selection further and it becomes a a very kind of boom or bust approach on, on offense that doesn't really work. So I think, again, the difference in quarterback, like you, you, they probably won't need to go as up-tempo as much. And if they do want to, they can stick in under-center to do it with. And they, they, could, they could actually end up being much more of an under-center team. But Russell couldn't work enough of the under-center concepts required to make that whole deal work, which, again, is why we didn't see as much of the kind of whatever you want to term it, but like the McVeigh, the Rams-style offense, as we may have expected, because Russell can't hit the five-step drop, the intermediate windows regularly. Um, so, like, what ha- what would happen? Say a team runs. I'm now getting into why Russell Wilson being gone is like kind of interesting. But anyway, <laughs> say say a team is running like all these Welcome to the We Talk Seahawks pod. There you uh, go. There's a rabbit hole that can go down quite regularly. I always take everyone down a rabbit hole yeah, at some it's point. Always, it's always Pez's questions as well, every time. There we go. So say say a team's running middle field open stuff. So they're basically getting two over one to like DK Metcalf and two over one to Tyler Lockett and removing the sideline shots to both of those guys, right? Say a team's doing that. Well, then the way of beating that is you have to try and stress the open middle of the field right there's a middle of the field deep which is open but they can close that with a player so it's all about stretching the 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 intermediate area and and um stressing it with vertical uh conflict okay but the problem is russell will not hit or did not hit uh won't hit for whatever reason but he won't hit the kind of intermediate stuff so so you'll run like um a stick concept but because they're they've they've removed the deep uh elements right already and then they've removed they can camp on your the the few quick game stuff which is all to like the sideline near the numbers they've removed the the sidelines the the quick game stuff they don't need to bother with removing the intermediate because russell won't throw it so they can camp on the short stuff and the deep stuff without worrying about I have to drop to my zone and defend the intermediate, encourage him to then check it down to the shallow and then come up and tackle. No, they don't have to do that. They can just camp on the short and the um, deep. So if you go then again to up-tempo stuff, if you're going up-tempo and you're trying to run these Rams concepts, like for instance, like even Jared Goff in like third third and long where they got into the shotgun, and they went into more of a pure passing mode, like Jared Goff would hit these like digs over the middle, beating zone coverage. <laughs> he he would read out these concepts in rhythm and hit them because he was basically a, a very well-trained robot, right? But Russell just wouldn't <laughs> do that. But so when you get into like Geno Smith, Drew Locke, whatever, I do think we'll see them hit that. Sometimes they might misread it and throw a pick uh, but I don't. If they throw a pick, I don't think Pete Carroll will be like, "Hey, let's throw that concept out." He'll be like, "This quarterback ain't good enough. We got to run the ball more." Which, mm. to be fair, is that not a good? Resp- is that not a natural response if the quarterback's crap? Like, 
keep, keep the ball safe, keep it in hand. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, Ken, Ken Ken Walker in his last college season was that he dropped, he fumbled one ball, mm. or it might have been his whole college career. I was reading, and I thought that that's what we need. I mean, Chris Carson, we all love. It's a conversation we've had, but he had a problem with keeping hold of the ball in contact. Whereas if you've got someone like Ken Walker who can make you the yards, even Bashar Penny to a degree, make you the yards and keep that ball in hand, so you're going to continuously keep plugging away with those yards, and then get the short and intermediate routes. It, it, I think it's a better formula. I, I, I personally think that Drew Locke's got more of an upside. I, I genuinely believe he was underutilised and incorrectly utilised at um, Denver. Um, I think Gino, it's been said multiple times, Gino's Gino. You're not going to get anything more, anything less out of him. It's going to be the, the, the point guard thing. We're never going to have a Steph Curry at point guard. But for God's sake, if we have someone like a Zach Levine, at point guard, we're going to lose games left, right, and centre. I'd be happy with a mediocre point guard, quarterback, who will just spread the ball where it needs to be, take those short and intermediate routes just to keep us moving, keep the chains and the clock going. You what? You with him? Uh, yeah, I was going to say the, the basketball players. Mean. Sorry, oh, right. Sorry Again, I went strike two. One more, there. Josh, and you're gone. <laughs> Get him out of here. You'll talk about baseball soon, you, and we'll all be asleep. American cricket. No, that's not for me. It, it's so interesting, though, hearing everyone's got a different opinion on this current quarterback situation, but we can all unanimously agree on that for good or for bad, it's going to be fun and exciting, whatever happens. Um, let's move on to the little community questions that we've had sent in for you, Matty. Um, Pez, do you want to start off with these? Yep. We had at Savage Cookie. That's a decent cracking tag. That's, that's a cracking name, isn't it? Or Jen Jen. It looks like from Canada. Um, what impact have we seen so far of Sean Desai and Clint Hurt on the defence? Obviously so, being UK bound. Mm, so we kind, of, how... we kind of touched on this, like in, in the sense that I, I needed a drone to watch the practices, right? Uh, but also um, we we've kind i don't think it's necessarily going to be visible uh unless you're like a massive nerd right but I, I think we've seen it in the personnel so like the fact they're so three like three four in personnel even more so um i, I guess that's that's the big thing um the cornerback stuff that's kind of a continuation as well like they have this long cornerback mold they have like a smaller cornerback mold which um we're talking about right and um yeah i mean we'll see it maybe in the preseason i mean follow follow me on twitter and i'll be tweeting loads of weird clips out and <laughs> saying oh this is slightly different this guy's doing this a bit differently that's cool which sean desai is it he's he's an exciting hire from what we hear from his time in chicago i think a lot of a lot of what I heard anyway from his time in Chicago was that a lot of good things about him, that a lot of the players liked him and, um, you know, Chicago's defence has, you know, predominantly been a good defence. It's what they seem to focus their entire roster around their defence in Chicago. Um, so it, it it is a big kind of capture and, and by the looks of it. So do, are you expecting this sort of... Uh, so how much of a leap do you think this Seahawks defense could take under Sean Desai as opposed to what we've seen from from Ken Norton and obviously you've got Carl Scott in there as well from from Alabama and stuff like that with Desai it's interesting as well because he he's done a 
does he know he have a phd in educational I think administration? He does, yeah. yeah yeah that's interesting and carol said they were teaching concepts slightly differently so maybe we don't see we I mean, hopefully we don't see a third slow start right so then that naturally if you're not starting slow again um then you are going to to finish better what well, you're going to finish overall hopefully better because you hopefully continue that rather than starting slow and then having to correct um and so you know like i said like last last year the defense was pretty good in like once you remove the slow start from it but they did start slow so i guess hope like success or like a, a good point would be you know top 10 in epa per play um for the whole season that sort of thing or, or whatever um that's what dreams and are made of it is and then <laughs> and then the parts because the pass rush still actually to me is a bit concerning like mafe is like th- there's a lot of things where i think i can see it taking hit i could sound stupid saying this could look stupid but um i can see him taking a while to adjust and in Wosu, like he seems like a kind of try hard player, but he's not um necessarily like fully into it yet. But this could be his year, right? Um, well, I, sh- uh, I sure we say that every year about a Seahawks player, exactly. Yeah, Collier. right, exactly. So, like, Taylor's <laughs> obviously great, but then it's sort of how, how does the rest of the edge group um fit in? That's that's not really known. Then the, the mm. cornerback, like, not keeping DJ Reed, there's a few question marks there. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. Kyle Scott, I think that just brings them more um, checks, like coverage tools. So if a if an offense comes out in this receiver set or this formation or with this bloke to the right of, uh, on his own, then we can do this coverage tool and we can play it this way. Whereas Seattle, um, with their kind of matching more aggressive coverages last year, like the the Clio thing I spoke about, they only had like one or two checks. Now. Maybe with Kyle Scott, you have three or four, but then that that you know brings a few more options, a few more ways of tricking a quarterback, a, a few more ways of uh, defending a team. You can't have too many, especially in the NFL. It's not like Alabama because you don't have as much practice time. There's more rush to turnover from year to year, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, it, it, so more I, I options. Think... I think what you were talking about with Marfe is a pretty good segue into our next listener question. So um, at Scott V Myers, and we alluded to this earlier, asked, uh, what do you think of Carol comping Marfe to Averill? Bearing in mind, Averill is a bit of a Seahawks legend and an all-round nice guy. Um, what what do you think of that comp? I mean, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I talked about it earlier, didn't I? That mm. I think that's more about, like, athleticism like height weight speed that kind of deal than it is play style that being said like daniel jeremiah i think it was when he um when the seahawks took him daniel jeremiah was like this guy reminds me of cliff averill and i happened to be doing a live podcast uh with griffin again and uh um we were like what like uh <laughs> i mean we, but then we hadn't seen averill coming out of college uh but then it, he didn't say necessarily in play style. It could have been an athletic profile. Mafe's actually more athletic than um than Averill tested. Mafe's like um like so real. He, te- he tested better at the combine, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, unbelievable um stuff. But I mean, he's not what Averill was. Like, Averill was one of those guys who could just bend around the corner without really losing speed. Um, whereas Mafe, I I can't. I don't really like comps, but I also couldn't 
like I couldn't really come up with a comp for Mafe. Like he's kind of weird and like you guys mentioned it as well. Apologies again. I can't remember who it was, but um, you mentioned how he has that like little false step. So there's there's technique things which can be uh, improved on and that will help his game. But at the end of the day, he still can't uh, turn a corner without using his hands effectively, um, which is which is fine. That That's not a problem. He's just more like of a linear... Uh, he needs to use his power to 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 un- fully unlock his speed and his ability to turn a corner. Um, I actually preferred Ebiketti, but um, that dream didn't quite last. Um, but then Ebiketti was the guy I'm a kind of a sucker for in the sense that he could just dip around a corner. And like Mafe, watching him at the senior bowl one on ones, like he was just running around the arc, but he wasn't short in the corner, so he'd get around the arc, but he doesn't have the bend to really shorten the corner and get to the quarterback. So he, like, you could say, nice to see this get off, but also he's he's not actually shortening the corner to get to the quarterback. He's just getting run around the arc. So activity, then you, you add in the handwork, and if there's a counter, then we're talking. But that's that's some work which needs to happen. It's not like a day one bang. And you have to remember, like, the stuff they're doing in practice at the moment, I don't actually think they've put... Um, pads on for much of it and I, I know it's not like full contact at all so really he might be showing bends now but when he get to like the full contact kind of stuff I think that's where you know stuff starts stalling a bit more for him his like pure athleticism ain't gonna and his football athleticism will start to show up more in the sense that he can't run around the corner without um slowing down as much um yeah uh, I, I wasn't that high on, on him, but in terms of the pick, like he was the last guy who was there and you were like, he, he, his athleticism, his improved production, like to me, he was a tier above like a Drake Jackson, right? And then before him, there was Ebiketti who I like, but after that, there was no one really. And he had the arm length as well. He like ticked, he had ability to cover guys in space, which is a big thing if he's going to be dropping a bit as well. Um, yeah. Would you have taken a punt on David Ajabo? Well, that's something that would have been a bit frustrating, right? Because you they mm. needed a pass rusher. Like they're kind of in a position where they couldn't do that. That's what the Ravens are good at because they can they can wait and they can um, they can they they can afford to wait on these guys who are injured, but they have this incredible talent and but. I don't think Seattle were in a position where they could have done that. And they would have been mm. frustrated about that because they, they needed another guy. Like they, yeah. they didn't have that. It, yeah. I think they were looking for someone to come in and well, plain simple be fit really for, for the start of the season. They want people to contribute to this new defense now, don't they? Whereas a, a job or might be a, a mid season returner kind of guy. Um, we'll move on to the final question. Um, cracking name again. We've had some great names coming in tonight. Um, his his username is Davy with the good hair. I'll take your word for it, mate. Um, I can't see your hair in your profile picture, so I will take your word for it. Mm, that's um, suspicious. That is. That is suspicious. <laughs> you know, he's not flaunting it, is he? So I'll I'll I'll, I'll hold him to his word. He's definitely bald. Definitely bald. It's definitely yeah, peasant we'll between. Well, maybe he'll get back to us now. Maybe there'll be a. It's me. Issue. <laughs> he asks, more importantly, who will be taking the snaps at cornerback slash nickel cornerback by mid-season? So, do you think there might be any changes to this 
cornerback starting lineup halfway through the season? Well, a change already is that is, I think Artie Burns is going to win the right corner job. Okay. And then left corner is Sidney Jones, right? Trey Brown's coming back from real serious uh, injury. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, we don't really know about that. We don't think Tariq Woolen's going to be playing, right? Um, not for the first so, year. Not in defence now. No. Kobe Bryant could try and compete with Sidney Jones. Like, I think. It'll be interesting to see what sides they're working on. It hasn't come out yet, but if Trey Brown's on the left, they it, Pete described Tariq Woolen as being on the right. Um, well, no, he didn't say that. Sorry, he described him as being in the Brandon Browner mold, which mm. would imply he's on the right, um, but also that he's really long. Um, and then uh, is Kobe Bryant playing on the left? Because he said he's playing. He's been working at one side, but he didn't say which side. But I don't see there being much of a a change because Sidney Jones played great last year. If he's won the job, then he's won the job. Mm-hmm. He'd have to be have a complete like disaster to get replaced. And then Artie Burns on the right, I I I'd be surprised if they're working Sidney Jones on the right as well. What about Justin Coleman? Well, so so with Nichols, with Nichols. Mm. yeah, with Nichols, that's interesting because Ugo's really good and very intelligent. And um, really good at um, being aware of, of routes, even though they've run, run behind him. He understands where the beater is coming from. Uh, he made some really, really smart plays in his own coverage. He's also really good at disguising whether he's going to blitz or not. Um, but he um, he earned one of those weird things. I forget what it's called, where like he's played so much that they get paid a bit more. Um, for whatever reason, but and then so so maybe if they needed cap space, they'd cut him. But why do they need they they don't need cap space? So mm. so don't cut a good player who's playing well. Marquis Blair, he's coming back from some like horrible sounding surgery, mm-hmm. and Coleman. It just seems to me that spoke about uh, as I spoke about earlier the importance of sort of the nickel position in this defense, like. If they're running more of these matching coverages where the nickel is kind of he he's not, but he's almost playing like a third safety in the sense that he yeah. is ending up in like a deep half of the field almost, or like a deep quarter of the field based on how he's matching a certain slot receiver. Um and he's also being strong at the point of attack and blitzing. Well then they needed more nickel competition and they didn't add any undrafted free agent or anything. And Coleman is interesting because they've got like a uh, a, a weird kind of skill sets there where Ugo is kind of like a a, a a slot, but he can't really cover he can't really cover man to man very well slot receivers, which is difficult, right? And the regression of like the pure like uh, cover one, I'm going to play man on a man on a slot receiver. The regression of those guys and the shelf life of those guys is tough because it's like the toughest thing to do in football, like cover a slot. There's so much space. They're so athletic. You're in so much stress on every play. But Ugo can't really do that very well, but he's incredibly intelligent in zone coverage and also with disguising stuff and 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 pl- playing in that disguise well, which is di- more difficult. Um, Marquise Blair is like that kind of big safety who... Um, uh, he just... Uh, he was an odd draft pick because I was like, I don't really see the fit. They were just like, he can run and hit. I was like, okay, that's great, but um, I'm but not sure else? where what you play him because he's quite slight. 
and at the time they were still living in that like heavily like cover three cover one world but like i was like he's not a deep safety but in the box he's quite small like like in terms of his uh mass um i was like i'm not sure he can put that much weight okay he can hit but he's not that big like i'm not this is all unusual um and he's coming off serious essentially what you're saying is you don't know it could be anyone at this point couldn't it (laughs) i think well i think it has to i'd be shocked if it wasn't ugo like there's no Mm. reason it shouldn't Mm. be ugo but coleman he's more of that kind of man coverage or he was in the past but the problem is the regression there um but because of the diversity of skill sets perhaps we see it where Ugo's on the field with Coleman if Coleman's impressed so much and Coleman's playing man on slots. Marquise Blair, he's a guy who can match up on tight ends. Suddenly you're sort of thinking, well, there could be an area where, do you remember Akeem King? He came in and mm. played man on Travis Kelsey a bit. He played like 13 snaps against the Chiefs, but it felt like more because that was, I think, a Sunday night football match up in 2018. And they highlighted him shutting down Kelsey. And it's like, well, if they suddenly get like seven defensive backs out there or six for a certain matchup, then Blair comes into the fold along with Ryan Neal. But yeah, Ugo has to be like the the main dude. Um, and I, Coleman probably gets cut, unfortunately, because I don't, I'd be surprised if he's still got the same movement skills. Interesting. We're all big fans of of, of Coleman, and and like I say, he knows the he knows the scheme. So, but like you say, it it's it's a tough world. Him. I love Coleman too, but it's a cruel, mm. it's a very cruel uh, profession. It is. Hopefully, hopefully, if LJ Collier gets uh, gets five sacks, <laughs> that might be Justin Coleman gone. Then Josh, that might be his roster spot taken for you. Um, You're not living this down, Josh. You're not living that down, Josh. That is, unless it happens, of course, then he's f- feel free to shout to the hills about it, Josh. But that isn't happening, mate. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm calling that now. Oh, I will. I'll just say it with my smug grin. That's, that's fine. Has his screen like that's fine. You can do that all off season, mate. Um, Matty, <laughs> hey, that's this all is we... James. This. It's not me. That's Josh. Matty, that's all we've got for you, mate, tonight. Um, a massive thank you once again for joining us. Um, please do feel free to shout out. Uh, where we can find you on Twitter and, and YouTube, as you previously mentioned, and, and where we can find you on social media. Uh, thank you for having me. So, sorry for my rambling. Uh, my Twitter is at Matty F. Brown. My YouTube is Matty F. Brown. And, yeah, you can find my work at um, All Seahawks on, on Fan Nation. Uh, that's where most of my stuff goes. Uh, and also on my YouTube channel, which I've just talked about. And got a podcast called at seattle overload which very nerdy but that's sort of about the seahawks um from like a, a scheme x is no scouting perspective um so yeah that's... it keeps me going on my long drives to work mate so oh thank you that that's very kind thank Sorry. you <laughs> yeah we're, we're i'm sure as as all of our listeners will be we're all nerds in in some way different shape or form so we do employ you to go and check out Matty's work. It really is uh, it is top of the notch, to be fair to you, Matty. Um, but yeah, once again, thank you very much for coming on tonight. We really do appreciate it. You're more than welcome any time. Um, and Pez, Josh, again, thank you very much for joining me as always. Um, and as always, go Hawks. Go, go Hawks. Hawks.